outside the Americas, MoneyGram's fine, Western Union, or cash. Some people just send cash. For those who get the discs burned and passed to them, write to me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P, 3, E, 4, N, 1. And as I say, that's it's very important that you just keep it going if you're getting something out of what I'm saying. I don't dizzy you with uh, UFOs or tell you to take drugs and get out-of-body experiences. I think there's different answers to this. You can understand what's going on. Back with more after these messages. of the first CEO of UNESCO 
and read what its actual goals are. It was to take over the entire educational system of the planet and to indoctrinate children into a totally different way of living, uncontaminated by their parents' old-fashioned moralistic ideas. Julian Huxley, that's the man, and you should get a hold of his books and read them thoroughly because he laid the future down straight for those who want to read his books. Big player. He sat in all the big think tanks that planned the next hundred years, even back then and beyond, as his brother did too, Aldo Huxley. You think about them, really, and I've gone through the Huxleys and how they're going right back to the Darwins and Sir Thomas Huxley, the best friend of Darwin, and how eventually they're intermarried, etc. And their descendants, all the same family's descendants, are still running the big think tanks today and the Optimum Population Trust for Reducing Populations. It's astonishing, really. And it's so funny, too, in a sense that um, we've all heard about uh, nutcases and conspiracies for years and years and years mentioning certain family names, etc., and only to find out that it's true. Because now everything really is out in the open. It's all true. It's just that nobody really cares now. That's the sad part about it. And as I said at the beginning of the show, that's all history is. It's just, uh, uh, it's just the stories of the continuities of certain families down through hundreds or thousands of years, riding on the backs of peasants whom they kept in line uh, with with the terror, basically, they used to have more weekly uh, beheadings. You get hung, then you get drawn, then you get quartered. Horrible deaths, just to make sure the peasants all got the message. And uh, that's how the world has been run. Now it's run by psychology mainly, and propaganda, and plus a universal standard education system. That's what Lenin said they'd bring in, and Karl Marx had advocated it too. Lenin and Stalin said that uh, they'd have to really pay the teachers very, very well indeed, and the police and the military to keep everyone in check for this new world order. And that's, these are the terms they used, the new world order. Stalin used it. Uh, so did uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, and then we find the Fabian, uh, Mr. Brown used it, the, the Prime Minister of Britain at the G20 meeting. It's up on YouTube, you'll hear him say himself, the New World Order. Everybody who used that term in the past, when we quoted them, people would laugh at because they wouldn't hear it on mainstream. It wasn't just that they couldn't hear it, it's just they don't hear anything that matters on mainstream. Uh, they're more into the trivia, that's what they remember, and Hollywood Entertainment, uh, and Michael Jackson, and so on. These people, are, of course, are the perfectly conditioned, the ones I'm talking about. This is what democracy hinges on that most of the people can be conned completely, fooled and brainwashed completely into their matrix, into their Plato's cave. It works very well. I've got an, uh, an audio on my archive section on my website of Aldo Huxley giving a speech at Berkeley where he talks about the percentage of the population who are suggestible. And he said that simple suggestion works on about 20% of the public immediately, or even 40%, I think. Even be 60%, but it's a big number. And then he said, with a bit more, um, a bit more intense um, suggestion, 
uh, another 20% will fall under. So it was 60, then it was, it was 20. He says, but 20% have a hard time with the last 20% getting them to come under the, the, the spell of suggestion, which is like melt hypnosis. But most folk, let's say 60%, are instantly suggestible. They will question nothing that comes across the mainstream media. That, that's what Brzezinski was talking about in his book, Between Two Ages, where he says people will be unable to think or even reason for themselves unless it's on the mainstream media. That's happened. And therefore, if you tell them something outside the box that's not on the mainstream media, they really will think you're crazy because they, they, they do think the media, the media, the mainstream television and the major shows, you see, they really do believe it's like part of the family, like it's a relative that's talking to them night after night on the news. They really do believe this. As they've never even considered they're being lied to. That's the majority of the public. That's the perfectly conditioned. And that's what democracy hinges on. Because the elite know that that, that particular group will always swing in favor of what the big boys want them to think or do or how to vote and so on. Or even just accept laws, for instance, without, without anger or indignation. That's what they count on. That's why they chose democracy, this term democracy that has different meanings uh, for the new world order. You can count on the bulk of the populace who are completely conditioned. Their only problem has always been uh, the ones who can't be, the ones who are a bit wiser for some reason, their conditioning, their inoculations didn't kill off enough brain cells or something, um, can still see what's going on, and they've always given them a problem down through the centuries. Therefore, that's why you're getting all the surveillance, personal surveillance, to find out not just who they are, but to keep tabs on everybody. And I've no doubt about it at all, little lights will blink on in their main computers at central command, when someone's putting out real intelligence to someone else of real intelligence, that's what it's all about. They're quite happy with the 60% who are brain dead. Uh, there's, there's no problem from them. They'll do whatever they're told. If they're told to line up and get shots uh, of cyanide, they'll, they'll do it as long as you tell them it's, it's good for them. Uh, it'll happen. It's the ones who say, well, I'm not going to have that. They're the problem. It's interesting, too, that Lord Bertrand Russell advocated killing, exterminating those children that could not be, who are very, very intelligent, who could not be brought into under uh, sponsorship by the elite and given um, special schooling. He said most of the time up until his day, that's what they'd done. They'd given them scholarships to special schools and so on. And once they started to feel important and part of a more elite group, and then their pay packets came in eventually when they left universities, they would never leave that clique. But, they, but he said they would have to emotionally detach themselves from their family roots because he came from poor, lower-class values. But he says for those children who could not be bribed over, he says we'd have to extirpate them, eradicate them. Because... One or two people saying the right things with intelligence and facts to back it up in a certain way that even those who are under perfect conditioning can understand the spell can be broken. Therefore, they're very dangerous people. Very dangerous. 
And it's always been that way. That's why they go after those who have the ability to just simply point out what really is. That's all you're doing is pointing out what really is to those who are under the spell and suggestion of how it's supposed to be. We've all been looted, as I say. It's incredible that even in the 20s, I said this last night, that in the 20s they're showing old documentary clips of the riots that took place in the 20s when the big bankers looted the public. But today there's nothing. Have you noticed there's nothing at all? There's no demonstrations in the streets. Be back with more after this break. through the matrix, just talking about reality and suggestion, and what it boils down to is confidence, you see. A con man is a confidence man. That's what it means. He must get your confidence before he can rip you off with a, with a, a charming manner as well. They're very charming people generally, and that's what puts you at ease with them, and that's why you're, you're conned. You have confidence in them. That's also what politicians are all about you know, and how they create personas for them by the big marketing companies. They give them their personalities for the public, but it's not the real personality. They're just actors. The idea is that you would have confidence. And so for the left wing and the right wing, they'll, uh, they'll give you the appropriate con man. And that's why the system has lasted so long, really, and, and it shouldn't have lasted so long because it's been so transparent at times. In fact, it's been shattered many times, uh, but it still works out as long as someone else comes along, a new guy, uh, and says all the right things again. It, it works like a charm. And people just keep voting. They keep voting, never realizing that their vote gives the government legal rights over them, all legal rights over them. That's why in Sovietized countries, and now in many other countries, including Australia, you have to vote by law so that the government can have authority over you. If you don't vote technically, uh, legally, and, and their own strange religion, in fact, um, it, it can upset some when they have to pass laws over you and make you go along simply because all the rest have gone along. It's not tidy enough. It's not quite tidy. So they prefer you to vote to give them authority to do what they want with you. And under the definition of democracy, the only right the citizen has is to vote. That's it. You can't recall people. You can't kick them out of office. You can't say, wait a minute, you, you, you've gone in a completely different direction from all your election. Um, it makes no difference. Your only right is to vote. That's what the Soviet systems, as I say, gave you the choice of Politburo 1, 2, or 3 to vote for. They had the same kind of system in place. Confidence is very, very important. That's why the, the news anchor men and women uh, are on the air with, with 10 different facelifts throughout the 50, 60 years they're there because you've grown up with them. They keep them there until they're falling off the chairs and shaking away Parkinsonism because you've got to have confidence in these characters. It's like mum or dad. You've grown up listening to them and they're there every night at 6 p.m. staring you right in the face, you see. You don't realize they're reading a dummy board 
uh, it doesn't matter to, to you, the, the viewer uh, they're familiar to you you have confidence in them and they'd never lie to you obviously that's why big news companies keep telling you that the most trusted media on, on television the CBC, the, the Communist Broadcasting Corporation of Canada which is owned by the government, it's a government station our version of the BBC uh, they actually have ads on all the time telling you that Mr. Mansbridge and these guys, the most trusted newscaster in Canada. So even saying that apparently works. Must sort of reinforce the con, I guess. Confidence. And this leads into the story here because this is from, again, writers who wrote the reality to you. So it's a safe story to read, obviously, since they printed it. And it's August the 27th, 2009. Featured broker-sponsored link, it says here. It says, um, New York, August 27th. The U.S. Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve, that's like the Bank of England or the Bank of Canada, has asked a federal judge not to enforce her order that it reveal the names of the banks that have participated in its emergency lending programs and the sums they received, saying such disclosure would threaten the companies and the economy. So disclosing the companies that ripped everybody off and were doing all these con games and Ponzi schemes, uh, it, it would threaten the companies and the economy. Like, well, con- how is, what economy are they talking about? The only economy that's left is this new con game of carbon taxes and trading carbon. It says the central bank filed its request on Wednesday, two days after Chief Judge Loretta Preska of the U.S. District Court in Manhattan ruled in favor of Bloomberg News, which has sought information under the Federal Freedom of Information Act. Preska said the Fed failed to show that revealing the names would stigmatize the banks and result in imminent and competitive harm. The Fed asked the judge not to require disclosure while it readies an appeal. Immediate release of these documents will cause irreparable harm to these institutions and to the board's ability to effectively manage the current and any future future financial crisis, the central bank argued. What they're saying here is that it would significantly harm them and they'd lose public confidence. Confidence. See, they're confidence men, con men, you see. That's what the story's all about, that, about the public losing confidence. Remember, to be ripped off by a con man, you've got to have confidence in the con man. He's a, he's a great fellow, great fellow. So here's the perpetrators, once again, ripping off the, wor- the world and then getting the government to put you down and your great-great-great-great-grandchildren ten times removed from the future uh, to pay off this massive not even a loan, but massive gifts to them by the taxpayer, by the government, which tells you who the government's working for. I hope people realize that's who the government works for. They don't work for the public. Why would you not fix something that was broken? Why would you keep it broken and reward the ones that rip you off? That tells you who they work for. It's, it's rather simple, isn't it? It's a simple thing that should be taught in kindergarten. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
cutting through the matrix, uh, trying to show people out there how confidence works and how confidence men really run the entire financial system because it was always a confidence trick. Money in itself is a confidence trick. It's someone's idea that they managed to persuade others to accept. And they, they who uh, run the money always run the world. It's so simple. It's very, very simple, isn't it? Uh, it's, I used to wonder why people who really make things and characters and so on always lived at the bottom level. But those who dealt with money and, and ledgers and writing about money made all the money. I mean, something was wrong with this. I thought making things, actually making things, was more important to humanity. But it turns out it's not really... To be stinking rich in this world, you got to deal with money. You deal with money. That's your sole business is dealing with money. That's how you get rich because that's where all the cons are. Even Rothschild said it himself. He said those who figure out the, the con, basically, of money and uh, all the different kinds of compound interest, etc., and how they could never be paid off and all that kind of stuff, he said they'll never squeal because they would be working in those institutions and profiting themselves well by it too. So it's just truth. It's the truth there, obviously. But going on with this article here from Reuters, where, where here's the Federal Reserve uh, asking for secrecy and all the banks involved in the ripoffs and how much money they're getting, all the rest of it. It says, underlying the cases, a similar one involving News Corps, Fox News Network, LLC, it's a question of how much the public has a right to know. How much, a question about how much the public has a right to know about how the government is bailing out a financial system in crisis. So, so really, uh, we're discussing this over again. We're, we're peasants. See, that's what they mean by the public. Do the public have a right to know? The public's to pay off all this debt, supposedly. It can never happen, by the way. But, but, but the elite are talking about, the, 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 does the public have a right to know <laughs> where their money is going? It says the Clearinghouse Association, LLC, which represents banks in a separate filing supported the Fed's call for delay. It said speculation that banks' liquidity is drying up could cause runs on deposits and trading partners to demand collateral. Survival, this is interesting, survival can depend on the ephemeral nature of public confidence. You know what ephemeral means? It's like when, it's like when artists stand in front of an awful painting and wave their hands about uh, and, and look upwards and around them. It's like in the air, it's in space. You know, it's, it's, it's real. That's what, that's what it's saying here. Survival can depend on the ephemeral nature of public confidence. Confidence again, you see. Clearinghouse General Counsel Norman Nelson wrote, Experience in the banking industry has shown that when customers and market participants hear negative rumors about a bank, negative consequences inevitably flow. Well, this guy's a genius. It's a genius to figure that out, eh? Then it gives you a list of uh, various banks involved and so on, and it's all the big ones as usual, you know. But nothing will happen because they'll, they'll get their way. They've always got their way. When governments have to go to these same big boys and ask for loans cap in hand, you see. They don't want to, they don't want to go down as the president or the prime minister that bankrupted the country and they're, and they're kicked out immediately and hated. They don't want that. So they keep the con going and they get well rewarded too. They also get ghost-written books for them that are ready to go a year before they even put pen to paper because someone else writes them. And they're always guaranteed, like, like Bill Clinton, $40 million in advance. I mean, there's a good payoff for you. 
That's not bad to start with, is it? You know, you haven't even left the office, haven't even started your book and it's finished. <laughs> and you're guaranteed 40 million right off the bat. That's a good payoff. That's how it happened. It's all quite legal too, by the way. There's no laws about it to stop it. And as I said at the beginning of the show too, the big names that came down through history as conspiracies and so on, and everybody poo-pooed and laughed at by the mainstream, are still at it. I mean, these are the Rothschilds. I read the story well, a few months back where they're taking over most of the farming in India for GM foods and so on and utterly polluting the lands after they'd helped to crash the economy there, get the farmers off the lands and uh, bought them all up for peanuts. The old Rothschild trick happens every other century uh, and they do it very well. But this is from the Sunday Times, August the 30th, 2009. Now remember, Nathan Meyer Rothschild's uh, is also the one who really is behind the big carbon trading funds that all goes through his bank. And I read an article again a few months ago where he was advocating this, that it all goes through his private bank in Switzerland, the family bank, the main one, you know, where all the families involved. So they get the big cuts of all this, these carbon tradings that the governments and big corporations are making a lot of money on. But he's going after the roadways as well. He wants to privatize uh, all of Britain's roads, and no doubt other countries as well. Sunday Times, August 30th, 2009. This is Rothschild Pitch's motorway privatization plan. This is a radical plan to raise £100 billion by privatizing the motorway network has been presented to the three main political parties by N.M. Rothschild, the influential investment bank. Now, now again here, does anyone, did anyone vote him in? Huh? I mean, supposing your plumber, the representative, your plumbers association uh, went forward, forward with this, we'd laugh, wouldn't we? Technically, we should laugh at this guy because his speciality supposedly is in just counting money, figuring out cons, and to doing, doing uh, multiple um, loans and so on with compound interest. So here he is going to the government uh, with a plan to raise all this money and he's going to do it, of course, because he wants to help the public, I'm sure. He doesn't say that here, but it's, it's altruistic, I'm sure. A hundred billion pounds by privatizing the motorway network presented to them three main political parties by N.M. Rothschild. Rothschild, here's how it was worded in the Masonic Britain. An architect of several privatizations, quite several, actually a few hundred, made its pitch in the weeks running up to the summer recess in July 21st. Whitehall sources say bankers told leading politicians that the sale of the roads overseen by the highways agency, all motorways and most big trunk roads could help revive battered public finances. <laughs> you see, it's the bankers who's ripped off the whole country going, going for their next thing that they want. Eh? <laughs> That's just astonishing. Could help revive the battered public finances. Toll road companies and infrastructure funds would compete to operate and maintain stretches of the network. Here's the versions, though. It's interesting. One version is in the government would pay for upkeep through a system of shadow tolls. Now, government doesn't make anything. They take your money, tax money, right? So how could government, the, the taxpayer would pay for the upkeep? That's what pi- private public means. Through a system of shadow tolls, shadow tolls. A more radical and less politically palatable option would be for companies to charge motorists directly through toll booths or electronic card readers. The Royal Automobile Club Foundation, a motorist group, advocated privatization in a report last week. Well, they're on the payroll of, you know who, the first word tells you, Royal. 
life is a joke, isn't it? Life is really a, a big joke. It's, it's the most incredible cons are pulled off in front of your eyes. And you know darn well that the government will put this up for bidding, uh, as you well know. And uh, every government contract says that uh, the lowest bidders or the highest bidders will not necessarily be accepted because, because, they won't tell you this, because they've already chosen who it's to go to. Always, always, even in your local governments, that's how it works. And um, they'll sell it off for peanuts because they've sold everything else that the taxpayer built and funded and built up for peanuts off in Britain and pretty well the rest of the British Commonwealth countries as well. Quite something, eh? But that's, that's a confidence trick. And it's so blatant, you see. I used to wonder why they said knights were bold. These knights, they're always getting knighted. And why were they bold? Why is there a K in front of a knight, like K-knight? Hmm. But knights are bold. It's because they're audacious. That means they'll, they'll do the, the, the audacious thing, audacity. Something you'd never think of in the heat of battle or whatever. And that's what they do. They're audacious and bold. They pull things off where we're standing with gaping mouths. See, no one would do that. And they do it. That's that simple. That simple. And confidence, eh? Confidence tricks. Well, the United Nations is really the, the most evil thing, I think, that these characters have designed in all their long histories for takeover. The United Nations is a Sovietized system that uses Marxian principles to bring about what they call equality, even to the extent where they'll do reverse discrimination and say there is, and I've read the stories in the in Australia, where reverse discrimination is actually good. You see? They can twist your reality and your logic into you upside down in all kinds of ways. Not to bring in equality, but to destroy all that was before and all culture that existed before, because culture, where it was cohesive, could stand up against the big boys. So they create chaos and then they bring out a new order. That's how it works. Very, very, it's, again, it's simplistic. And part of United Nations, the World Health Organization, which I think really deals out more death than health because it's all to do with population control, um, the World Health Organization in a 2006 report said, and I've read the articles before, if they go and create enough panic and fear amongst the public to, to make them all go in a certain direction, they can get them to take their shots every year, to make the herd take their shots every year. Panic and scary scenarios. Remember that those articles I read? Give them scary scenarios. Terrify them. And that's what the swine flu nonsense is all about. Here's from the Mail Online. It says here, the swine flu call centers where the staff have nothing to do but play cards in trivial pursuit. 29th of August, 2009. Two swine flu call centers are to close just weeks after opening because staff have been spending most of their time playing cards and board games. Hundreds of thousands of pounds of taxpayers' money. That's how much they put at this to begin a big con, you see has been squandered after around 1,200 workers were employed to deal with the expected deluge of anxious calls. Because they really were hyping all this nonsense up in the media. And they, were, they set up these call centers to deal with hysterical people. 
The staff said far fewer calls were made than predicted and supervisors allowed them to play cards and games such as Trivial Pursuit Monopoly to help pass along hours between calls. One said that for most of the four weeks he was working at the National Health Centre service in Farnborough, Hampshire, each staff member took on an average of just two five-minute calls per eight-hour shift. Ten minutes per, per your job for the day, that's not bad, eh? He said the whole thing has been a fiasco. It seems to have been a complete knee-jerk reaction set up with no real thought. Well, I'll, I'll contradict that. No, this was set up with real thought, all right, because they must keep the con going. They're training their herd through scary scenarios to go and get your flu shots. And the 2006 World Health Organization said if they can convince the public through mandatory stuff and threats and fear that you've got to take the shots, then you can start giving them shots every year, not just for flu, but for constant boosters every year of their life for the rest of their lives. That's the agenda, folks. That's from the World Health Organization's own website. I've got all the stuff here. As I can understand, the government has to prepare for the worst, but this was just ludicrous. They could have put these two centres into one about a quarter of the size and still had scores of spare lines in case things got bad, which they never, of course. They've squandered a vast amount of public money, needlessly. The National Pandemic Flu Service, which comprises phone lines and a website, was launched last month. And as I say, they're doing everything except knitting. Because nothing's happening. But that won't stop the agenda. That will not stop the agenda. I've said it before, it's the same with the global warming fiasco. When these guys make their plans and they get things rolling, they will never alter direction. Even if they made them 50 years ago, they will never alter their direction. That's why I urge you to read the books written by the big players from the early 1900s onwards. Because they outline the whole century and beyond for you. So that's your fiasco with the swine flu, and they're going to go ahead with it. And it's really just to get you used to taking all different kinds of shots. And again, give you cancer viruses and various diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and stuff like that, chronic fatigue. Because they don't want a healthy population. Now, they've been complaining through the Optimum Population Trust and many other foundations. There's just too many people. And they should be thinking about death, not just medical healing, but actual death. And making you live shorter lives. That's what they mean by it. Now, the great United Nations, as I say, uh, you usually can't go. How, so you've got to read Huxley, as I say, Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO at the United Nations. United Nations report advocates teaching masturbation to five-year-olds. This is Wednesday, August 26, 2009, by Joseph Abrams, and this is from Fox News. United Nations is recommending that children as young as five receive mandatory sexual education that would teach even pre-kindergartners about masturbation and topics like gender violence. Pre-kindergarten. The United Nations Economic, Social and Cultural Organization, which is UNESCO, cultural organization, it was to make a standard culture for the world, but not a nice happy one. It's to be a, a, a Sovietized, planned one of indoctrination. They released a 98-page report in June offering a universal lesson plan for children ranging in age from 5 to 18, an informed approach to effective sex, relationships, and HIV education that they say is essential for all young people. And I remember before going to age Huxley, he said they'd have to destroy marriage by promoting uh, pre-pubertal sex. 
and making it basically an obsession. Well, look at television today and turn on much music. And you'll see teeny boppers, little children, dancing to it. It says the UN insists that the program is age-appropriate, but critics say it's exposing children to sex far too early and offers up abstract ideas like transphobia. Transphobia. They might not even understand. No kidding. At that age, they should be learning about the proper name of certain parts of their bodies, says Michelle Turner, or Michael Turner, uh, president of Citizens for Responsible Curriculum. Certainly about, not about masturbation. Turner was disturbed by UNESCO's plans to explain to children as young as nine about the safety of legal abortions. Hmm. See, these are ideology, political ideology has been taught here. And when it comes to abortions, as I say, it's nothing to do with, don't get involved in individual stories and emotions. <clears throat> you won't see the forest for the trees. Remember, their plan is to bring in uh, a stage where you, you'll have to get permission to have a child at all. And not because you're a good or bad parent, by the way, but if you've got the right genes. It's eugenics. And yet you have to de- devalue human life. That was, again, something that Julian Huxley said, the first CEO of UNESCO. Get them to devalue human life, and it could be brought about by starting abortions and then euthanasia for the elderly, and, and what they called the unfit, people who had... Uh, psychiatric problems or could have or mental uh, abnormalities that's already been done by the way Uh, people are being aborted for that already back with more after these messages I read something two, but two years ago where they wanted this kind of stuff to be taught in the classrooms, where they actually do it in the classrooms. That's to create a, a, a sort of orgiastic society, this, the kind that Plato talked about in the Republic to an extent, where all women would be in common. In other words, every woman would be a walking prostitute, basically, without needing a reward for it. But that's pretty well happened today, if you haven't noticed. I think that happened by itself. Nothing happens by itself because all morality is either made by the culture as a preserving, a preserving influence for survival, and when that's all destroyed, you get what you have today, and that's all you see on television. It's just sex, sex, sex. And of course, they won't bond with anyone. That's the main, the main reason for it. They won't bond for a, for a mate uh, for life, and, uh, and they won't have children. That's, that's what it's all about. Here's another one here just to finish off how, how silly and stupid it all gets once the government gets into action. Uh, hairdressers, hairdressers and terror alert, Evening Star. This is the 25th of the 8th, 2009. Anti-terror police are quizzing hundreds of hairdressers in Suffolk to see if they're storing peroxide, which authorities fear could be made to, uh, used to make a bomb. Inquiry, which involves checking every salon in the country, in the county, is to find out how much of the chemical which is being in, uh, used in hair bleach is being stored and if it's being kept in a safe place. 
Barbers and stylists are being asked where they get their supplies from, how much they use, where it's kept, and if their premises have CCTV cameras or are fitted with a burglar alarm. The hairdressers are also being urged to report any theft of peroxide to police immediately. But busy Sudbury barber Lee Haynes said, I thought it was a wind-up when I got a phone call, or a wind-up when I got a phone call. They said they were involved in a police anti-terrorism check. They want to know how much peroxide I had on the premises and where it was kept under lock and key. We hardly use this stuff here, but it was told that unless I gave full, full details, they would send an officer around to check. The chemicals part of the colouring or bleaching process that most women's salons use, where it's most commonly used, would probably get through less than a litre a week. A spokesman for Suffolk Police defended the survey being carried out under the guidance of the Forces Counter-Terrorism Unit. Why don't they do the same with the for these guys, as they do with uh, the ones who are working on the, the flu information centres where they're playing Monopoly and cards. Why don't they just give them board games to play? Because huh? they can't find terrorism. They've got to go creating it or looking for it. Everything is such a farce today. Utter farce. Very expensive farces, but that's okay because you're, you all pay for it, you see. Incredible, isn't it? You create a police state across the whole planet, and when nothing's happening, they're going through salons and barber shops to count liters of hydrogen peroxide or peroxide for bleaching air. They could pick anything, you know, anything at all in your, in your kitchen and do the same thing with your homes. That'll be next. That'll be next, too. Or, or even see if you've got matches. Maybe eventually you have to get a license to have matches. Wouldn't that be something? Why not? In the world of make-believe that we all live in here, anything's possible when they're on a roll. And after all, we've swallowed enough in the past, haven't we? Whole, whole sewages, seas of sewage we've swallowed. Well, no wonder they're laughing at us at the, bottom, at the very, very top. They're laughing and laughing and laughing at us. Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where I do need your donations to come in, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.